Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1961 American animated comedy adventure film, 101 Dalmatians. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film, or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy this episode. 101 Dalmatians, produced by Walt Disney, and based on the novel of the same name by Dodie Smith, is the 17th film in the Disney animated canon. It was originally released to theaters on January 25, 1961, distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. This is the second Disney animated feature film, the first being Dumbo, which took place in the year 1941, to take place in the time period it was made, the late 50s to early 60s. As all other previous films, except for Dumbo, were either set in period pieces or in some kind of fantasy world with no specifically recognizable time period. Released January 25th, 1961, the film was a major success, pulling the studio out of financial trouble caused by the the box office failure of the previous Disney animated feature film Sleeping Beauty, thanks to the use of xenography for the inexpensive animation. This is the first feature-length animated film to use this process, although it was tested in Sleeping Beauty. After its initial theatrical run, it was re-released to theaters four more times, December 1969, June 1979, December 1985, and July 1991. The film was released on VHS on April 10, 1992, as a part of Walt Disney Classic Video Series, It was re-released on March 9, 1999 as a part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection video series, but only for 101 days. On November 9, 1999, it received its first DVD release as part of Disney's Limited Issue series. A two-disc Platinum Edition was was released on March 4, 2008. In Europe and the Middle East exclusively, The film was issued on a non-commemorative special edition Blu-ray, featuring a static menu and no bonus features. The film was released under the Diamond Edition in the United States on February 10th, 2015. On November 6th, 2018, there was a limited release from Disney Movie Club, but it it only had the discs on the Diamond Edition. Then, finally, the Signature Edition was released on September 24, 2019. Disney later released a live-action remake titled 101 Dalmatians in 1996 and its sequel, 102 Dalmatians, in 2000. A direct-to-video animated sequel to the 1961 film titled 101 Dalmatians 2, Patch's London Adventure, was released in 2003. A live-action reboot titled Cruella, directed by Greg Giuseppe, was released on May 28, 2021, in theaters and on Disney Plus with premiere access simultaneously. The film was nominated for the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Movies list. It also was on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains list with Cruella DeVille getting number 39. Seems fairly high, to be honest. No, she's, she's pretty evil. She is, you know? but fairly high. <laughs> and it also was on the American Film Institute's top, or 10 top 10 nominated films. 
The budget for the movie was $3.6 million, or $34.6 million today, and the box office was $303 million, or $2.9 billion today. It was directed by Clyde Giomini, Hamilton Lusk, and Wolfgang Redderman. The story is by Bill Peet, based on The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. It was produced by Walt Disney, edited by Ron M. Brewer Jr. and Donald uh, Halliday. The music is by George Bruns. The production company is Walt Disney Productions. It was distributed by Buena Vista Distributions and has a runtime of 79 minutes. The film stars Rod Taylor as Pongo, Kate Bauer as Purdy. Perdita. Okay. Kate Bauer as Perdita, or Purdy, whatever you want to call her. Betty Lou Gerson as Cruella DeVille and Miss Birdwell. Uh, ben Wright as Roger Radcliffe, with Bill V as the singing voice of Roger Radcliffe, Lisa Davis as Anita Dearly, and Martha Wentworth as Nanny, Queenie, and Lucy. So we dive right into the plot. And the opening title sequence, and I forgot how unique the opening title sequence is. It has jazz-like music playing, and the animation is quite unique as well. I love the jazz music here. Yeah. It's very, it's very well done. So we have Pongo, who is a Dalmatian who lives in a London bachelor flat with his quote-unquote pet, or owner, uh, professional songwriter Roger Radcliffe. Bored with the bachelor life, unlike Roger, who spends his days writing music, Pongo decides to find a wife for Roger and a mate for himself. What a good buddy that is. I thought you were about to make a joke about Pumpkin and me. (laughs) Well, I mean, Pumpkin needs to be doing a better job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Wow. No, Pumpkin wants me all to himself. That's that's one of the issues. Pumpkin, if I get a female cat. (laughs) No. No. While while watching various female dog-human pairs out the window, he spots the perfect couple, a woman named Anita and her female Dalmatian, Perdita. Or Purdy, for short. Well, now we can call her Purdy. <laughs> okay. okay. God. Heading, oh. heading to Regent's Park. He uh, heading to Regent's Park. He <laughs> quickly gets Roger out of the house and drags him through the park to arrange a meeting. After an awkward and unusual meeting uh, that goes awry, including having accidentally caused both Roger and Anita to fall into a pond, Pongo's plan uh, pays off as they fall in love. Six months after Roger and Anita, and Pongo and Purdy, get married, Perdita gives birth to an unexpectedly large litter of puppies, 15 of them. One appears to be stillborn, but Roger is able to revive it by rubbing it uh, in a towel, and because of this, they name him Lucky. That night, they are visited by Cruella de Vil, a psychotic and wealthy social parasite known to Anita from their school years. Having shown interest... Since a previous visit, she offers to buy the entire litter for a large sum, but Roger firmly asserts that the puppies are not for sale. And in this scene, we get the song Cruella de Vil, performed by Bill Lee, and I wrote down that the only this is the only song that I remembered from the film, and it's one of Disney's most famous songs. I give it an 8 I out mean, of 10. it's really kind of the only song. Like, I know Canine Crunchy is kind of a song, too, but this is really the only, like, song song at the end of the day when you think about it. Yeah. And- well, there's that little closing ditty yeah. that Roger sings, too. but This is a great song. Yeah. 9 out of 10. Also, it's okay. our first real, like, villain villain song. Yeah. No, you're Not right. sung by a villain, but it's definitely our first song, like, addressing the fact that, like, 
There's a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Captain Hook's Pirates had a little song that they sung about him, but it also was just kind of... We came in halfway into the song, I think, if I remember correctly. But yeah, this one is iconic. Um, and I also wrote a note saying that Cruella's creepy silhouette in the doorway with the thunder crashing. I wrote that at uh, also Betty Lou Garrison, uh, Gerson is perfect as Cruella. I put her vo- voice performance right up there with Eleanor Audrey as Maleficent. Like, it was just amazing. Weeks later, refusing to take no for an answer, Cruella secretly hires two thieves named Jasper and Horace to dognap them all. The humans try every effort to locate the puppies, but to no avail. And I just put a note here saying Jasper and Horace's accents. Um, Like, they're showing off that they're poor English people. Um, They're not very elegant. Yeah, it's very bad. Yeah. Um, When Scotland Yard is unable to find them or prove Cruella stole them, Pongo and Perdita use the Twilight Bark, normally a canine gossip line, to alert and ask for help from other dogs in London to locate them. The first two to answer the call are the Great Dane and his terrier friend of Hampston. Soon, the alert spreads all over England. I just, you know, I've said this in, I said this in Laney and Trey too. Man, dog society is so much better than our society. Yeah. And dog society is like, the puppies have been stolen, we must fix it. And like, in, a lo- in a lot of ways, dogs are better than people. And they communicate a lot better, too. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. We're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, the message reaches to the English countryside at Suffolk, where an old hound named Towser receives the message alongside Lucy the Goose. Towser then sends the message to, uh, to the barn where the colonel, an old sheepdog, resides, along with his compatriots, Captain, a retired gray cavalry horse, and Sergeant Tibbs, a tabby cat. The Colonel and Tibbs find the puppies in a place called Hell Hall, a.k.a. the DeVille Place. Why didn't Scotland Yard look there if they were trying to find out if Cruella DeVille stole these puppies? Also, I love that it's called Hell Hall. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Also, I totally forgot about Sergeant Tibbs until, like, re-watching this. And I was like, Sergeant Tibbs! Yeah, he's great. Along with the others that Cruella had legally purchased from various dog stores. Uh, they found the puppies there, I should say. Uh, after Tibbs narrowly escapes from the Badhams, uh, the word about the stolen puppies is quickly sent back to London. Upon receiving the message, Pongo and Perdita immediately leave the British capital to receive their puppies. Meanwhile, Tibbs overhears Cruella's plan to have the puppies be made into a dogskin fur coat and her ordering Jasper and Horace to kill and skin them that very night out of fear that the police will soon find them. In response, Tibbs attempts to rescue them himself while Jasper and Horace are watching the television, but they finish their show and come for them before Tibbs can get them out of the house. Pongo and Perdita burst through a window just as Jasper and Horace have cornered them and are about to kill them. I guess the summary left out like the their journey and everything like that going through the river, but you know, this is the major plot points. I feel like this movie it goes very quickly. Like this is oh, not yeah. a very You know what it kind of it's, It also doesn't have a long like it doesn't have a like deep plot. Like I feel like a lot of the other movies have like side plots and there's a lot going on. And this one kind of just goes 
I feel like there was this, a lot of success with like Lady and the Tramp and like mm. dog movies and like d- pet movies, and they were like, "Let's make another dog movie." Well, it also kind of <laughs> reminds me of because of the speed that the movie moves at, and that <clears throat> that there are animals and people. It reminds me of um, what was his name, Mister Toad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it remind it reminds me of uh, Mister Toad, his his little short. Except with just dogs, basically. Yeah, right. And during a vicious scuffle, Horace is knocked into a lit fireplace. And Jasper gets his pants pulled down by the incensed parents before both cause the ceiling to cave in on them, while Colonel and Tibbs guide the puppies from the house to their barn. After a happy reunion with their own puppies, Pongo and Perdita realize that there are 84 others with them that were in Cruella's possession. Shocked after learning of her plans, Pongo and Perdita decide to adopt them all, without concern that Roger and Anita would reject them. They begin making their way back to London, aided by other animals along the way, including a collie and some cows who give them shelter and food. However, Cruella, Jasper, and Horace are in hot pursuit of them and will stop at nothing to catch them. The Dalmatians arrive in Dinsford, where they are assisted by a black Labrador retriever. However, before the Dalmatians can sneak into a van that is bound for London, Cruella, Jasper, and Horace arrive searching for them. In order to fool them, the Dalmatians cover themselves with soot so they appear to be black Labrador retrievers. Don't know why anybody believes that. There's so many doggies, but you know. <laughs> it's kind of clever of them to do Clever, that. but yeah. it's like, mm-hmm, there's just that many dogs. <laughs> the ruse works and the fam... But, you know, it was London in the 1950s. You know, maybe there were a bunch of dogs running around. I don't know. I've never been there. Maybe there were. Yeah. Or actually, it was the English countryside. They haven't reached London yet. The bruise works, and the family successfully gets inside the van. However, while Pongo and Perdita were loading the last few puppies in, ice drips down and washes off the soot. Cruella spots the disguise and sets off after the van. Jasper and Horace in their truck, and Cruella in her car, in a manacle rage. Which is the scariest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Her red eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Losing her mind. Yeah. Uh, Follow the van with the dogs inside. Cruella repeatedly attempts to ram it off the road and a cliff, promptly damaging her car in the process, while Jasper and Horace attempt to cut it off from another direction by crashing into it. Jasper almost succeeds in crashing into the van, but just as he is about to, about to, a panicked Horace accidentally rips the steering wheel from the truck's dashboard, causing the vehicle to swerve out of control. Because of this, they end up colliding with Cruella and her car, sending both vehicles crashing into a deep ravine. Comically, they are shown to be well among the wreckage of their uh, demolished vehicles. As Cruella screams in anger and frustration and berates Jasper, who finally stands up to her, and Horace for ruining everything, she begins weeping over the loss of her car and her dream coat as the van drives away. Back in London, Roger and Anita are attempting to celebrate Christmas with Roger's first big hit, a rather unflattering song about Cruella, but they miss their canine friends. Suddenly, barking is heard outside, and after their nanny opens the door, the house is filled with dogs. After wiping away more of the soot, they are delighted to realize the Dalmatian clan has returned home. They decide to use the money from the song to buy a large house in the country so they can keep all 101 Dalmatians. Do you think they bought by Hell Hall? (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Um, and the other song is listed here as Dalmatian, uh, Dalmatian Plantation slash Finale, 
and it's sung by George Bruns and Mel Levin. And I wrote down that it only has a few lines and is a fine song to end on, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Mostly because it's so short. Yeah. And you kind of flew through this review of it as well. And to be fair, there's not. this is one of those movies where it's very straightforward plot line, very yeah. straightforward. There's nothing really all that great about the animation. There's mm-hmm. nothing really to like say about the plot points itself. Like It kind of speaks for itself as the issue, I suppose. Agreed. And the most interesting things is probably Cruella DeVille, which has stood the test of time. But, like, I don't think anybody's watching 101 Dalmatians. I also like the nanny as a side character. I do, she's, too. She's funny, too. And how, like, she gets into the little fight with uh, Jasper and Horace and everything. But I'll go into my overall score. I wrote, I enjoyed watching this as an adult way more than I did as a child. It goes to show that your opinions on a movie can change. Cruella is a fantastic villain, and the story is very cute and funny. So I give it a 7 out of 10. It's interesting is I feel almost opposite. Like, I enjoyed this movie as a kid. I like the mm. puppies and stuff. And watching it now, it's kind of like, eh, a lot more. Like I said, there's not a lot content-wise going on with this. And it's for children, so maybe I shouldn't expect it to have more content and be more interesting. But I think what saves it is that Cruella is a great villain and, like, actually kind of scary. The way, like, Maleficent's scary. Right. Like, actually scary villain. But... I don't think that makes up for, like, anything else really going on. I I don't think until we get into the Disney uh, renaissance did the writers of the movies sit down and go, oh, you know what? Parents are watching these movies, too. We should make it entertaining for them as well. I think even some of them before that get a little bit more. Like, I think as we go along, we slowly more and more put a little bit of extra plot in it, a little bit of extra, like, something as we're going along. Yeah, you could be right. Because um, there are some films before the Disney uh, Renaissance, like uh, uh, Oliver and Company and The Great Mouse Detective. That That's actually, I was thinking yeah. The Great Mouse Detective. I was like, Great Mouse Detective is not a children's movie, if anything. That's... Fair enough. Like, I remember finding it scary enjoying that movie as a kid, too. But, like, I would say now I appreciate it as an adult watching more. I'm like, this is a great movie. Yeah. I love this movie. And it's got also, Radigan. The, yes, the world's, Radigan. The world's greatest rat. I saw I mean. a pop figure. <laughs> yeah. The other day, it was uh, what's the little mouse girl's name? It was her. Oh. But they make a Radigan and they make a Basil, and I was so trying to find them because I would want Basil and Radigan. Yeah, that would be great. Do you want to give it a numerical score? Or? I was gonna say uh, six out of ten. Okay. Hey, anything else you want to discuss, or no? Because I feel like we're just gonna keep talking about other movies. <laughs> okay. one more. Fair enough. I uh, love canine crunchies too. Uh, yes. They're, they're a delicious, happy treat. I can't remember. I, don't I, wa- remember I watched the movie a couple weeks ago. But I love canine crunchies. <laughs> canine uh, crunchies. That's, they have to sell those, right? Like, Disney has to make those. They things. probably did at one point. Yeah. I'm sure they don't anymore. Mm. Where's my canine crunchies merch, Disney? Yeah. They should have. I saw a very cute video of a uh, guide dog that met uh, Tigger the other day on TikTok. I saw that too. Yeah. He, he deserves some canine crunchies. You deserve all of them. But anyway, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you.
Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.